Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm in the old town of St Etienne. It's an old town which I didn't know exists despite coming here four times last summer for the European Championships. And I didn't have a too high an opinion of St Etienne as an industrial town. But the old town's very nice. It's a late February day. It's sunny, it's warm. There's green flags out everywhere. And there's United fans everywhere as well. And they've even put on Manchester United. Um, songs which would probably drive people mad after about five minutes uh, there was a little bit of uh, not trouble last night but you know, a lot of United fans were in um, were in Leon, and I just came through Leon. I spoke to loads of different United fans you were there what happened it was in Chenetian last night just in the bar having a few beers oh not in Leon. No, it was in Chenetian oh, okay. yeah. just having a few beers with a little crew having a sing song and a uh, little guy came in with a hood up had a sniff around the place as a sort of spotter for the firm yeah I went outside and had a look, there was about 12, 15 of them all hooded up. Really? I think it was their pub. Right. And we were in their patch having a second and a drink, but I went out and had a chat with them and they cooled it down a bit. What did you say to them? I just said, we're here for a beer, lads. Having a sing song, come and join us. And they said? Allez la vert. Right. <laughs> and we said, come and have a beer, we're not fighting, and they just looked at me a bit moody. Yeah. Came inside and they stayed outside for a while. A few of our lads did a scarper as they do. Yeah. The rest of us stayed in there. And the boys came in eventually, and they got round the middle of the pub, just stood there with their arms crossed, staring at us. So I had a word with them, and they just calmed down. It was all all right in the end. Was it? Yeah, it was sweet. Because I got told that the, something similar happened in Leon last night, and I was oh, in did it? I was in Leon um, when England were there last summer, and I just missed it when Twenty Leon Ultras came and kicked off with England. Well, they were only kids this lot. Yeah, so I think they, were I think... look, they were just looking out where we were. I think. Yeah. Well, I don't think there was trouble in Leon, but people may know different by the time of this but there was definitely a group looking for it because yeah. Leon have got a game on Thursday oh, that's right, and yeah, that's uh, right. Alkmaar are also I'm in Dutch area, town though. as well um, there's a lovely atmosphere here no, it's, buzz- it's a buzzing place except for the United songs coming out of the street speakers which is a bit bizarre in the middle of France but no it's good, good crack so far nice sunny day as you said beer's cold food's warm and you're in the United End I'm in the United End wristbands got- on so just explain the red wristbands this is got, because... we got these crazy... I'll just interrupt again. <laughs> the quite wonderful sight of maybe 25, six-year-old children with their school teachers walking through the centre of Saint-Étienne singing Allez les Verts, which of course is their famous slogan. And it's quite wonderful, actually. Everybody's smiling at them and they're bringing a lot of joy to people. <laughs> and uh, they're being followed by um, some policemen and the kids just walked past a big bar called St Jacques and a lot of St Etienne fans started singing to them so there's a very nice atmosphere um, here so you've, you've got, got a, a wristband with uh, a red wristband Manchester with Manchester United, United on it the date of the match and you've got to wear that wristband to get in the United and we've been told we've got to wear this on the way to the ground and to get into the compound and then we got a ticket as well so whose idea it is police or United I haven't got a clue I understand that uh, United came over here last week hoping to find a go for the ticket pick up a pick up point as is the norm on European away games they couldn't find agreement with the local authorities and they've introduced that as an extra measure uh, so that United fans can 
get in. Well, I just think in France at the moment, after well, it's the, a bit dodgy over here, after the Par so. Paris terrorist attacks in and November the 15th. The guns the coppers yeah. are walking around with, Jesus. This place is not short of police yeah, at the moment. Out as well behind us, like the armadillos. Yeah, they're all walking along, but there doesn't, doesn't seem to be any problems at all. And Lovely to see you. And it's really kick off, so it's usually all right kick off. afterwards. I'm going to walk towards the ground. Yeah. Is that the way it's the ground? Yeah. And sort of right, and oh, it's, it's, it's way, a 20. It? Just follow the tram tracks. It's a 25-minute walk. All right, thanks a lot, mate. Take care. So that's probably the only thing I learned about St Etienne in the summer was that the tram tracks go straight to the football ground, and I'm probably going to walk it myself. Um, there are green flags outside. So many of the shops and bars and restaurants here. It's a one-club town. Their average crowd is over 30,000 in a stadium that holds 42,000. They're really well supported. I think they're the fifth best supported team in France. And you feel it in the streets. It's not particularly big rugby town, like some of the ones around here, Clermont-Ferrand, um, which is hardly neighboring, but some of the French cities of this size can be bigger at, at rugby, especially in the south southwest than they can at football. But St Etienne's firmly football. They're a wonderful team in the 60s and 70s. They reached the 1976 European Cup final where they played Bayern Munich at uh, Hamden Park. And I was speaking to some fans who watched that, some English fans who, who know the football. And, because I'm too young to remember that, that, that game, I was only three years old. And they said it was an absolute travesty how well they played. They battered Bayern Munich, they hit the woodwork and Bayern Munich won. So. There's ill feeling for that reason, and that's as good as that team got. They had beautiful kits, made by Lecoq Sportif. They, uh, they've won the league since, but they've never touched the heights of the 1970s or 60s. It's a club where Michel Platini started out. Uh, they have rebuilt the stadium. It was done for Euro 2016, and I was here for four of the games here I saw England in probably the most boring game of football I've ever seen it was against um, Slovakia I think it was nil-nil and I was in the England end that was a first for me and I actually ended up feeling sorry for England fans that they travel all around watching absolute crap the lad next to me was from Torquay and I'd never seen him win anything or come close to winning anything and then the game another game I went to was um, the Czech Republic against Croatia and I was sat among the Croatia fans and it kicked off massively between rival firms uh, who, who um, had, had said that they were going to kick off uh, people, firms from Split and from um, Zagreb and I, I tweeted a picture out because I was in the middle of it I wasn't in the press box working as a journalist and within minutes the BBC were on to me and then they said, can we go live? So I walked out the ground, live on, I think it was Radio 5, and keeping my voice down because it was very moody, and walked all the way back to the train station at St Etienne. I never thought I'd be coming again. And then Manchester United drew them. So it, it, going, it's 3-0 going into this game. United clear, clear favourites, even though the 3-0 scoreline was probably a disservice to St Etienne in Old Trafford. Um, their fans certainly weren't. They were wonderful, colourful. They got the flares in. I know some United fans complained about the flares being taken into the ground when they had their bottle tops taken off when you buy a drink at Old Trafford. But it's a, an area I do have some sympathy for the club. How do you stop it? Them flares are, are tiny. 
short of introducing airport style scanners you're not going to be able to stop it i know it made a little bit of a mockery of the pyrotechnic dogs in operation um, signs which you see outside the away end at old trafford because those dogs clearly didn't work but it still looked brilliant and i know it's illegal and i know they'll get fined for it and i don't care i think it looks brilliant i don't think that they should have thrown them um, over the disabled section towards the pitch don't think that's right that can be dangerous i accept that but flares look fantastic at football matches and when they're properly dealt with such as in turin where firemen wait by the side of the pitch and, and douse them as they land there's an understanding um, I don't see why they can be so so dangerous so maybe we'll see more flares tonight maybe not I'm just walking into one of three or four main squares in St Etienne and this is the one which leads right up to the football ground I'm just trying to get my bearings to see whether I'm going to walk north or west I'm going to ask somebody for directions but not uh, let's start Missy that's about the limit of my French I think I can say that I've got a rabbit and I'm from an industrial city in the northwest of England and I like chicken and uh, that's about it I was very very bad at French in school there's music coming out of the bar to back the trams going past full of Manchester United fans I'm sure all of them have bought tickets for it um, I, I tried to buy a ticket for the tram actually when I came out the train station and uh, I couldn't work it out and it wasn't in English either and a guy was just about to help me when another man said yeah have one of my tickets and he didn't want any money for it and he told me he's from the Ivory Coast and he was living in Poitiers in central France and he was asking me if I'm Manchester uh, telling me about his life and further into the conversation he told me that he'd come because his brother played for Manchester United uh, Eric Bailey and I thought well okay but I, I, I knew Bailey from, from Spain I knew his old manager and the guy showed me all pictures on his phone I've, I've got to see his brother at Espanol B at Villarreal and he was off to the team hotel to meet him so that was quite quite interesting and he gave me a free ticket for the tram system in St Etienne so I appreciated that Josh Jack there's some guys singing who the fuck are Man United who are they what's happening here oh no no they're United fans with pints of beer in their hand uh, there are a few rummish looking St Etienne fans knocking about all oh, don't know whether the whether the football fans or just local scrotes you can hear the, the song behind me now the lads singing it about being drunk as skunks are both carrying big glasses of beer two each so they're definitely gonna gonna have a few United have played here before in a very famous game in 1977 when there was trouble meaning that the return leg at Old Trafford had to be played more than 250 kilometres away from Manchester I recall an article by Pete Molyneux in United We Stand because he travelled and uh, he went to the game 
at home park and he said none of us knew what a kilometre was back in 1977 and uh, we worked out where the game would be and then we, we then worked out it could be in, in in the UK and it was played in played in Plymouth and United went through as they look like they're going to go through this time you're no different because you're listening to it after after the game but United played Porto away in the next round and got hammered 4-0 and I spoke to Gordon Hill one of the wingers about that game a couple of years ago and he blamed the defeat on a trip to Iran United arranged to play Iran B in Tehran in a game to promote trade between Britain and Iran mid-season uh, I'd say that would never happen now but United went to Saudi Arabia mid-season as recently as 2008 and we won the European Cup that year so I don't know how damaging that was and when the team went to Iran they needed um, several jabs and they reckon that it laid them low they'd not only lost 4-0 against Porto they lost 4-0 in the next game away at West Bromwich Albion so even though they won I think it was 5-2 at Old Trafford um, they they were eliminated from the 77-78 Cup Winners Cup um, can't see that chain of events being repeated somewhat in 2017 but you never know Leicester City are the current champions of England the main square in St Etienne is where I, I've just walked into there's a carousel there's four members of the French army with big machine guns walking through it France has been at a state of heightened alert uh, after those 2015 attacks uh, the United fans are with the beers and are asking for directions to the soldiers everyone's pointing north towards the stadium the bars are packed with United fans there's 1,700 fans here officially. I'm sure there'll be fans in the home end as well. Probably not as many, or certainly not as many as St Etienne fans came to Old Trafford. Because for them, it's like one of the biggest games ever. They're all going to come. Imagine if Manchester United had not played the European game for years and then they drew Milan. There'd be thousands. Well, there was 10,500 when United played in Milan in 2005. And, and that's when we were playing in... Champions League every single season so United could have brought a lot more here but there's a limited ticket allocation I think United could have easily bought 3,000 here 4,000 here but you're getting the same faces coming to most of the matches and there are restrictions and the ticket pickups um, are quite heavily monitored for, for reasons that we've, we've talked about in the podcast in the past outside the town hall now uh, Liberty Egality, fraternity. It's a motto for France. Don't think motto is the right word there. And I'm going to carry on walking to the stadium and hopefully speak to some interesting people. I spoke to one journalist from Saint Etienne last last week. He works for Radio France and he rang me because he was told that United had turned Saint Etienne down for more tickets. And I checked it out with the club and it just simply it wasn't true. There was frustration because St Etienne wanted to bring 10,000 and they'd heard quite rightly that other clubs received 6,000 tickets but that's not being allowed to happen at the moment. Uh, our weight followings for European games are being limited to 3,000 at the moment as I understand. And there's just a lot of frustrated St Etienne fans who'd booked travel to Manchester and yet didn't have tickets. And that was a repeat of Feyenoord in November when loads of them came over. They, I 
couple of thousand of them did actually get into the home sections and made a brilliant final chant at the end of the ground uh, at the end of the game um, some St Etienne fans also got into the home sections at Old Trafford last week it's impossible to know how many because they didn't score unlike Feyenoord do. got that got that goal I'm now in the, the biggest square in St Etienne and this is full of United fans now you can see it there's buses which look like they will take the United fans towards the stadium I was in this very square when England played it was absolutely hammered with England fans and all their flags and I looked around at the flags that day and they were from uh, Daventry and Coventry and Northampton and Lichfield and Lincoln hardly any don't think I saw one from Manchester or Liverpool and they were all from pretty small towns met some Middlesbrough fans who followed England I remember that and uh, they agreed that they'd come in United we stand so I swapped details with them for our away fan interview I'm just holding back on that because I'd like to see who we draw should we go through which we will do in the next round and it might be a bit more interesting to get a fan of a European rival in there not that we might be able to get a, uh, a fan of some Romanian team at short notice um, they've chosen to do some um, renovation work in the centre of the square um, there are some office workers looking on at the United fans with a, a state of slight amusement but they will have seen all this and more when the European Championships were here last year uh, at this very point I'm walking across now I saw a limousine with 12, 14 England fans in it they were all dressed up as um, Pat Sharp with mullets uh, you can hear United fans singing now atmosphere's good, there's a flag here sent to me from heaven MUFC you are my world with the stone roses lemons on it and red devils from Hull Hell Hell's been crossed out and Hull has been put in in instead police are watching on it's a typical European away game and pleasantly warm for this time of year I'm going to carry on walking up to the stadium beats at Etienne 2-0 with Mike McGrath from the, the Sun. Um, what did you make of it? Oh, it was yeah, you can roll out those cliches going you professional job done and that's what it was. I think the real you know that, that was the performance. I think the the price that might be paid is the injuries. That's what I mean, I'm with you here in the in the tunnel near the tunnel of them where the players are walking to the coach and you see uh, Mkhitaryan out first um, and he wasn't limping though was he? he? he wasn't but um, it was clear that he didn't look in a good mood that was for sure yeah. and then Michael Carrick as well um, obviously they're going to if they are if they do miss it on Sunday I think personally I think there'll be really really big losses in terms of the control that Michael Carrick brings and just the form of Mkhitaryan at the moment he finished he finished his goal really well again not an explosive finish like his last one but just a you know deft touch on on the end of a cross and after that it was you know it was um you know it's four nil unbelievably the St Etienne fans were going absolutely nuts right until the 93rd minute um to make a really good atmosphere but 
the match itself was obviously over. It was it was it was a bit of a dead rubber anyway, but that goal sealed it. And even though he only played for 25 minutes, he was excellent. Mkhitaryan. Yeah, he was. He's, he's, I think there, there was a stat um, that we were looking up during the game that he's been involved in five goals in his last six appearances. Um, this from a guy who couldn't get a game under Mourinho earlier in the season. Um, he's turned it around and I, I would say before he picked up that injury, he'd say that he's, he would be a real threat if you were Claude Puel looking at how to combat United on that big pitch on Sunday. You cover United, you're watching the team closely, you're watching the staff closely. There seems to be a good feeling around at the moment. They're winning, they're playing pretty convincingly. Not always, but they're coming good at just about the right time. Yeah, I think when I think you learn a lot when, when they're not getting the results and even then Mourinho was really calm. Not he was upset at the results, upset at referees, etc. But the underlying theme was he was happy with the amount of um, chances created and that really you could, you could feel it at Old Trafford last season when things were going wrong under Louis van Gaal it wasn't just that they were getting nil-nils when they should be winning it was they, they, people were not happy with that football and I think at the moment he's got a good he's got a decent blend I, I don't think they're peaking yet to be honest I no. think there's still a little bit more to come Pogba could um, still get better absolutely much absolutely he's shooting for a yeah. start yeah but I think in general they are there is cohesion there there is um, there is a there is a game plan that they're working to and they're picking up these results in the last 20 odd games and the European form away has righted itself after 16 pretty difficult months where they couldn't win yeah. they've won the last two now I know and you get um, further and further on in the tournament you're thinking well the Champions League is what, what you is is the goal in this in this um, tournament now that they've opened up that spot you're thinking well you know could we be the could we be the fifth the fifth team in all that that fifth qualifying spot? Um, it could really that that could be a good way for them to go in. I think particularly um, as it's so congested at the top of the Premier League, it's uh, it's no shame in finishing fifth or sixth this season. I don't think, and this is an opportunity to get in the Champions League, which um, other teams don't have, obviously apart from Spurs. And there's no Sevilla to win it this year. Thanks for your time. Congratulations no on becoming a parent. Make sure you bring your child up as a Manchester United fan. I'll leave you with that one to think about it. Uh, Steve Bates, yeah. do you go back in there? Back in the corner. Back into the interview booth for the interrogation. You're a Manchester lad. You stood on the Stratford end in the 70s and 80s. Scoreboard paddock fusilier, pal. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was a scoreboard paddock fusilier? Is that what you called yourselves? Yeah. Did you? Yeah. After like, well, the well, that was a song. That was yeah. a song. So there was a good atmosphere? Uh, very much so, yeah. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, the, 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 that scoreboard paddock was uh, in the corner between the old scoreboard end and the, the main stand, as yeah. it still is now. So where they put the away fans basically yeah. now that used to be the right. uh, that and used to be quite a lively little section and they demolished that in 1984 to build the family stand yeah and i remember meeting a united fan from london and he said i don't go to home games anymore so why i said they demolished the scoreboard paddock what a crazy reason not to go mm. and it i don't know I think if you remember that that, that was eight years after it had been demolished the, 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 that. the attraction of that part of the ground was because you were close to the away fans right so there was so a, did you, there was a fair bit of the games <laughs> and tactics <laughs> of course yeah i mentioned atmosphere because tonight was incredible yeah it was it was tr tremendous and we, we spoke about that during the game 
Um, I think, you know, everybody looks at the Premier League and uh, worldwide, globally, it's, it's renowned for its unpredictability and the great games, but sometimes the atmosphere of the games isn't always great. Particularly, a lot of the time. Particularly at some of the big stadiums where, you know, I've been to Anfield many times where it's been a poor atmosphere. I've been to Old Trafford when it's been a poor atmosphere. Almost as if the fans are waiting for things to happen. And, you know, we both covered a lot of games in Europe. And when you go to places like, say, Dortmund, mm. or you see fans tonight here, and as they were at Old Trafford a week ago. Or Istanbul. In or Istanbul, you know, Feyenoord. that kind of level of... Um, that level, that that it's a different level of support, you know. Um, and and I think some things that the English fans could learn from, to yeah. be honest with you, because sometimes we have a very benign atmosphere in grounds. And um, English fans were trailblazers when it came to atmosphere. They, they the English were, fan culture was the strongest. They were, and yet that tonight was so much better yeah, than anything I've experienced in England. The um, team were four 0 down, sure. and they got louder and louder. Sure, and, and you know, uh, I know there's a move back in England and, and, and Great Britain as a whole to have more standing areas. Mm. Uh, quite clearly, the, the all the fans here were on the feet. Yeah. Basically, yeah. Um, they shouldn't have been probably, but they yeah. were. Um, they didn't on like big cop style yeah. terraces. On, right? on, big, on big terraces, big groups of them, mm. all in all in formation, dancing, yeah. singing. The it was relentless. It never let up, and it's fantastic to see. Not sure the flares would go very well down very well in in, in the Premier League, but uh, you know that aside, I think the fans were were fantastic and. When you've got a competition like the Europa League, mm. where perhaps it's not seen as the premier competition mm. in Europe, when you've got fans like that, it helps elevate it. Mm. And not only just for the competition, but for the players as well. Mm. You know, and for us as well as spectators and, and journalists. So when you go to a game, you know it's going to be a proper atmosphere. Mm. Even though it's not the Champions League, of course it's not, we know that. But, you know, how many times have you been to Champions League games where it's not quite as great an atmosphere? But in these competitions now, Europa League, you seem to have a, a group of teams and fans who want to be in the competition and they relish being in it. No empty seats there tonight. It was packed out and since Etienne were 3-0 down from the first leg, it was effectively a dead rubber. It was dead after 16 minutes when McTarian scored. So, yeah. Shame he went off, wasn't it? It was a shame, yeah. Well. And, um, you know, I think Jose's got a bit of a concern that he might, he might yeah. not make it. We saw him wander through the mix zone here tonight and he was limping he was definitely had a limp, and yeah. uh, I just you know. tweeted that he didn't have a limp. Did you? Oh well, well I saw him <laughs> sort of limping, but maybe uh, when he came back, he, he was gone, gone a little bit. So anyway, listen, we, you never know, do you? We but don't know. No. You don't know. Maybe it looked as though it looked to me as though he'd, he'd kind of uh, it was precautionary and he nipped it in the bud. He maybe felt something. Thought yeah. right, I'm. I hope so because I'm, I'm been, coming become important. Hasn't well, it? He has. He's become. Um, um, I said tonight that from from this, in my piece for Mirror Five things we learned from the game. I said, you know, at the start he was kind of the unwanted one, but now he's the vital one because he's the man that is unlocking the door. He's, he's, he's finding the key to the door when things are, are, are getting a bit difficult. I mean, he's passed the other day in, in you know, at Blackburn for, for Rashford was, was yeah. absolutely sensational. And he's doing that more and more now. And, um, you know, his goal tonight was clever, clever. Arriving in the box, you know, how many times do we used to see United players of old arrive in the box perfectly and just kind Robson. of... Robson. Yeah, guide it in. Yeah. Um, you know, skulls, people like that. You know, just just passed on his skulls. Yeah, just bagging, uh, bagging key goals. So, yeah, we, we all hope, uh, United fans will certainly hope that he's, uh, he's fit to play. Finally, they're in a good place at the moment, aren't they? The team, yeah. they're getting these runs together, the runs that you'd always associate with good Mourinho sides. They don't look like a team with the quality just yet to win the league. 
they're getting better month by month. Yeah. They get the little setbacks and then they seem to push on even stronger. You, you, you can see you can see the manager's influence is growing all the time. You know, um, when you see them, um, as we did under Van Gaal, it was depressing in a way, watching them sort of be stifled and their creativity kind of stilted and killed a little bit. Whereas Jose, although he likes a clean sheet better than anybody, he also wants, I think he gets the fact that he, he United, you know, um, have a DNA to, to kind of uh, live up to. And uh, it's interesting tonight, um, at the very end, when he was walking through the mix zone, he was falling out to Alex Ferguson, Bobby Charlton, real icons of, of this football mm. club, you know, and I think he's enjoying being a part of that. I think he's longed for something like that um, for, for, for quite some time. You see the history, I've just seen five metres from where we're stood, mm. Sir Alex Ferguson sat there like he's waiting for a bus, mm. with Bobby Charlton stood by him as well, and Jose walked past him. Mm. The history's real, isn't it? It is. It's not statues. No, These no, people no, are still, no. still here. They're, they're still here. They're iconic figures. And, you know, the club recognise the history of these people. And it's great because quite at some clubs you, do, you don't always see that. Mm. You know, they're maybe not so visible. Yeah. But, or, or bridges have been burnt or they've left on you know, a sour taste. But, but he still is. had a, a link to 58 there with yeah. Bobby. Yeah. A link to the Busby Babes. And still. when you come to a provincial town like this, you can see people marvelling at them when yeah, you see yeah, them, yeah. which is a good thing. Well, f f thanks for your time, no Steve. Are United going to win the Europe, Europa League this year? I think they've got a great chance of um, getting to the final rounds. League Cup? Um, I think they'll win the League Cup. Um, I think it could be... Uh, we, we all laughed at the... Uh, Liverpool winning the, uh, the plastic treble, didn't we, many yeah. years ago? But listen, I don't think anybody at United, uh, no fans would be laughing if I'd United do the same thing. I just can't see beyond that Chelsea FA Cup game, the others I'm fine with. But when you, when you look at the team he picked tonight mm. for a second leg when they were 3 0 up. Oh, he wants to win it, no doubt. That about shows it. you everything about his focus for this tournament. Thanks for your time, Steve. Cheers. We can Pleasure. read you on Sunday. What have you got in this Sunday's paper? Um, well, I have a one matter interview yeah. from tonight, for yeah. sure. I know that for certain. So that's in the paper this Sunday. It, it is. You've just I, been I, speaking to him. What I, was he like? He was very good. Very. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a good talker, one, and he's a sensible, intelligent lad. Also done a little piece with, um, hopefully it holds and lasts the, last, last the pace. I've done a little piece with Lou McCarney this week, oh, um, right. who obviously played in that 1976 final against Southampton. So a couple of funny little anecdotes from uh, Lou's a great fella from, from Lou on that. So uh, hopefully that might play a little Fine. sidebar to the piece. I find him really sort of thoughtful because he's had a few massive ups and downs in his life. Yes, but yeah. I think he's a better person. He's a football person. He's, he's, yeah. And um, just the little background stories I hear about him at Stoke. Mm. One of them for years. He didn't really believe it, and then it became marvelous. The program. Yeah. And it was a BAFTA winning programme. And it, we had him on his podcast. Yeah. He was just fantastic. We didn't even speak about football. We just no. spoke about, about Marvellous. It's all right. Well, I'll buy a copy of the people yeah. on Sunday then. Please do. Thanks for your time, mate. Cheers. Right. It's the morning after the night before, and I've just taken a train from sunny St Etienne to Lyon, and then a tram out towards Lyon Airport. Been here a couple of times with United in the past. I think I remember a quite a famous Champions League game in 2008 when Carlos Tevez got the winner or the equaliser, if I'm not mistaken. But it was on the way to Moscow and Lyon were a brilliant side then. They're not so good now. They're playing uh, AZ Alkmaar this evening in the Europa League and there's every chance that Manchester United could draw one of those two teams in Friday's draw. The reaction in the local media is one of slight disappointment and yet respect that St Etienne were, were outclassed. It amuses me when they refer to Manchester United simply as Manchester, which they've done in all of the papers uh, this morning. 
and there's quite a few Manchester United fans around heading back to Manchester, to London, to wherever. And with Eric from Rotterdam, he's going back to the wonderful city of Amsterdam. <coughs> um, Eric's a familiar face among people who travel and watch Manchester United. He's been going... How long have you been going to matches? Nearly two years? Uh, <laughs> nearly two years, yes, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so he's been watching United since the 1980s, early 80s? Uh, late 70s. Late 70s, travelling from Rotterdam. And you've been to all 92 English league rounds. Yes, I have. And more. You go to like non-league uh, ones, yeah, don't you? I, whenever I watch United, I try to do a non-league game on the day when United are not playing. You're a man after my own heart, Eric. And like you, I find great appeal in photos of empty stadiums. My wife doesn't share that enthusiasm. But how many football grounds have you been to? Um, I think uh, 510 or 511 at the moment. And that includes... Ground around the world everything yeah yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't include the grounds where I've played because yeah. as a youngster I played in a lot of non-league yeah. grounds in Holland but only where I've been as a fan yeah I've been to 5.13 actually ok so know. you're beating me alright <laughs> I don't know how many I've been to but hundreds and hundreds and uh, I still love football grounds empty grounds yeah, yeah. old ones especially old ones. old ones old ones with character with character with different stands with, with yeah absolutely and I must say I was really pleased with Santa Chen because it was one of the games I really wanted to go to because of the history and even though it's a pretty new ground yeah, because they've done it up uh, some years ago it's still got that old inside outside is rubbish but inside it's still got that atmosphere and character four separate steep stands yeah. all of them making an absolute racket it's one of the best atmospheres I've ever Absolutely. experienced I was envious if I'm honest yeah, so was I, because they had two full ends giving it 100%. It was amazing. And they, were, they were big ends. Huge ends, like Dortmund. But they've got two. Everyone talks about the, the, the yellow wall at Dortmund, but here they've got two green walls. You were in the United end. Did yes. you get in okay? Yeah, I, I got in all right, but I had the, the wristband, so... And other people, you know, who struggled to get in? Some of them struggled. I think they all managed to get in anyway, but it's just a stupid wristband, I mean... People lost it, or some people got tickets of other mates, and without a wristband, and then it all gets hard work. How was the atmosphere in the United then? Oh, very good, I'd say. I mean, I don't know from where you were sitting whether you could hear us, but there was singing and non-stop. I would say. I was in the press box because oh. I was working, and there were times when you could hear the United fans singing. And at the end, when it emptied, I heard. Um, something good that was booming out quite loud going around the stadium and then in the night I received an email from the man who wrote it Peter Noon who's from Herman's Hermit yeah. he now lives in California oh really and uh, so I'm going to speak to him get him yeah, in United good. we stand uh, I'm really delighted because I think we needed a good song a proper song different than what all the other clubs sing and this is really good I like it um, I think it, it divides opinions a little bit I think some of the other lads who contribute to the podcast don't like it but I do I think it sounds decent yeah, right? and it's different than anything else we've and it's, done and it's a Manchester song and it's a Manchester band so yeah I'm written happy by a lad from Hermston it's better yeah. than us like singing a Dutch song isn't it you know what I mean oh so, yeah sorry, no, don't, don't, don't do that don't do that no, no Dutch songs please um, a win for United second win in succession in Europe very comfortable easy easy as well I mean I'm surprised how easy we've made it for ourselves so that's a good sign. You think United can win this competition? Yeah, I think so. I've said from uh, the beginning, I think uh, we have a good... If you look at the other teams, there's, there's no team in there that, that should scare us. So I think we've got a really good chance of winning it. 
Last time we spoke, Manchester United had three Dutch players, Memphis Depay, Adelie Blind, and sorry, one of them was a manager, Louis van Gaal. We're now down to Blind. Um, the purge of the Dutchman hasn't quite finished <laughs> at United, but what? Do you, how do you feel about van Gaal and Blind now that they've gone? Frustrated, well not frustrated, but disappointed that it didn't work out for them? That well, I never, I never liked Van Gaal in the first place. So I, I, I mean, the sooner he he went, the better. Uh, I think the two years were a waste of time. Why did you not like him? Well, because he is just a, a strange person. He's arrogant. He he only believes in himself. He he won't listen to other people. Uh, um, he, he had a reputation in the Netherlands for being uh, stubborn and ignorant. Uh, arrogant and, and I think he, uh, he proved his case in Manchester again so I'm glad he's gone the pie just didn't work out and I think uh, he's only got himself to blame for that Daily Blind well Daily Blind is a squad, a squad player I, I don't like him in defence in the Premier League I don't think he's strong enough for that but as a squad player I think he's, he's, he's okay to have but he's not great is he he can play in different positions midfield yeah, yeah, central he can defender play the, on the left yeah. That's right. He's popular among the players. They like him. They think he's, yeah, he's, he's a nice guy, yeah. and uh, I, I can understand that. Um, even though he has an Ajax background, it's, it's difficult to dislike him. Any great Dutch players coming through who may be on Manchester United's radar in the next year or two? Um, no, there was talk about uh, this new lad at Ajax, Dolberg, centre forward, Danish guy who was very, it was very good, but his goals have dried up now. So then. As soon as that happens, the attention goes away. Other than that, I, uh, there's no one really that springs to mind at the moment. League Cup final on Sunday. You confident? Yeah, I am. Yeah. You going? I've, yeah, I'm going. Yeah, I think. So you win. fly back to your family in uh, uh, Eindhoven now. Today, yeah. And Couple then, of nights, and then drive uh, through the tunnel Sunday morning. How long will that take you from Eindhoven to uh, London? R- roughly five hours, including the waiting for the train uh, at the, uh, Calais. Altogether about five hours and then another five hours back. And that's better than flying by the time you've driven to Schiphol and... Yeah, uh, flying really... Uh, the problem with flying on a Sunday night is if it goes to extra time... Of course, yeah. And I have to fly... My last flight from Heathrow is nine o'clock yeah. to Schiphol. If it's extra time and penalties, yeah. you struggle. Yeah, I've had a similar thing looking at flights on Sunday yeah. nights. So I'll stay over in London. I know all the Monday. schedules by heart these yeah. days. And uh, if, if it had been a four o'clock uh, league game, yeah. I would have flown, but not for this one. Yeah. Because United have a habit of making it hard for defence. So I, I think it's going to go to extra time. But you're confident that in extra time United. Yeah, I, I think we'll win it. I think we'll win it. Thanks for your time. Have a safe flight back. Cheers. So that's it for this podcast. I'm currently in Brussels Airport waiting to connect for a flight back to Manchester. The bright blue skies of St Etienne and Lyon have been replaced by more ominous looking clouds and I'm reading about a storm called Doris in Manchester. And this airport is full uh, of, not of Manchester United fans, although there's plenty about but Ghent fans, they're going to play Tottenham. 8,000 of them are going, which is a superb away following. And I was speaking to them. And after they'd forgiven me for mixing them up with Genk, um, we agreed that it would be good to draw each other in the next round. I'd certainly prefer that than a trip to Rostov or somewhere um, in, in, in Russia. The next podcast will be from Wembley on Sunday. I'd like to thank our sponsors of this podcast, Lord Timepieces, 
They're a London-based fashion brand who make affordable watches at very reasonable prices, and they have free shipping, uh, starting at only £60 for a watch. They've got classic designs, quality construction, and styled minimalism, as I'm sure you heard for the plug um, for Lord Timepieces a few months ago. There is a... Well, I'm not going to be able to match that, am I? Um, Lord Timepieces, they're based in London, uh, they've sold over 100,000 watches and their new watches are taking social media by storm. You can get them uh, via their website, lordtimepieces.com. And if you're a listener to United We Stand's podcast, you get 10% off by using the code UNITED, U-N-I-T-E-D. You don't have to type in United Order Team for me. So that's Lord Timepieces. Uh, we appreciate sponsors, as I'm sure the listeners understand that we do need sponsors to help us produce this podcast but it's been going fine this season we've getting between 25 and 30,000 downloads for each podcast so that's an awful lot of people and the one with uh, Emma Neville a few weeks ago had well over 30,000 podcast listens in the first uh, couple of days so I'll bring you the one from Wembley at the weekend I'm going to travel down on the monkey bus speak to some of the characters who I'm sure you're very familiar with and have come to love and hopefully we'll be talking about Manchester United winning a second trophy of the season and first pretty big trophy the League Cup final if you go to Wembley have a safe trip down there and we'll catch up after the match <laughs>